Siren Sports. We're so pleased to have Dan Shaughnessy, who is a longtime Boston Globe sports writer. And uh, Dan, this is, you know, the one thing I like to say is that there's people after last night's game, I have a lot of friends who are Boston, you know, love the Celtics, everything about the Celtics. Today, they're you know, looking at their psychologists, uh, maybe calling their psychiatrist, whatever. But I think that the book that you wrote, Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Burr Celtics, that they should run out. If you're a Celtic fan, run out to the bookstore, get this book, go out. We're down here in South Florida. It's nice. That there are a ton of Celtic fans down here. Go sit outside, read the book. That, to me, is the best therapy for what happened last night. No, I appreciate that. It is available on Amazon, and you will have fun if you like basketball in the 80s, because that, in my view, that's when the NBA was its most fun kind of the, the best TV product and really launched the league into the, the global product that it is today. The, the bird magic wars of the eighties were like the Ali Frazier fights. It just put the NBA on the map and gave way to Michael Jordan, to the dream team and, and the global product that you have today. But those guys in the Celtics in the eighties, they were fun. And we got to tell you what they were like as we travel with them. We travel commercial, lived with them on airplanes, buses, practices, hotel bars, waiting for bags, all that stuff. And, as a reporter in those days, you were able to really tell the readers, the fans, what the players were like, why things were happening. That Celtic team I covered, they did get swept in a series. They got swept by the Milwaukee Bucks in 1983. It was ridiculous. They had Bird, Parrish, McHale, Maxwell, Tiny Archibald. They had Hall of Famers all over the place, but they were done with the coach. There weren't a lot of grumbling going on, and I was able to tell the readers what was going on. You really don't have that today. We don't know what's going on with Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, the new coach, who likes who, who's mad, the AAU Warriors, and it's there's a lot of stabbing in the dark, but what we're seeing right now is is certainly, you know, it, there's just no excuse for this. They were so heavily favored in this series. They're within one game of getting swept out of it. A team that, you know, the Heat, God bless the Heat, they're tough and, and, and they deserve where they are, but they had to play two playing games just to get in the tournament. They, they finished 13 games behind Boston during the regular season. They're an eight seed, and they got seven undrafted players. I mean, and, and they're just completely outplaying the Boston Celtics. So good for the Heat, bad for the Celtics. That's where we are going in. <laughs> and I was, you were like a student in a course, and I was a professor. I would say this would be like for the – you probably need 20 blue books for this, but it would be compare and contrast the Bird, Parrish, McHale, Celtic teams with this current team uh, focusing on how about front office, coaching, stars, and role players. And no. uh, <laughs> that, That's a good point because what I, what I came away with from doing that book and, and talking to them all these years later, how secure they were in their own greatness, and that's a real asset – there weren't jealousies. They weren't worried about touches. Larry getting more headlines. Larry getting more money, more all NBA, this and that. The guys today, you just get a sense that the wrong things are important to them. You know, Subway sandwich commercials or MVP of the All-Star game or top five all NBA, top 10 all NBA. They talk about it a lot. They see value in these things beyond winning championships. And that's why they don't win as many. I mean, the Celtics, for all their greatness, they're stuck on 17. They've won one championship since I was covering the beat, 1986. So that's one time, and that was 2008. And that's just insufficient given the history they have with you know, Russell and Havlicek and McHale and Bird and, and you know, those great teams, those great years when they, they were winning it every year of my youth. So it's a, it's a fall for them, and people still really care about them. And that's what's so disappointing for their fans that have a no-show performance in a critical game like you had last night. 
And then the second part of the two-part question would be compare and contrast the Bird Celtics teams with this Miami Heat team with the fact that you have four undrafted players and you have a superstar in Jimmy Butler and a coach in Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley being the general manager. Talk about in terms of that, you know the comparison. In many ways, this is similar to the, that, those teams. Well, Riley is 78 years old, and Red was still playing his craft at that age, and Red had grievances against a lot of people in the league, and Riley hates the Celtics with the power of a thousand times. That goes back to my time covering the team in the 80s. It was, it was built in. He thought they were putting heat in their locker room. He thought they were dirty. He thought they were thugs. They were, you know, Mikhail taking down Rambus. You know, they had to change hotels three times in their final series in 84 because people were pulling the fire alarms and sending up phony room service. And, you know, he just, and they, they had a superior team and they just choked it away. And they lived with that. Next year they came in and won in the garden. And for Kareem and Riley, it was the highlight of their professional lives, I believe. So they've got the, the model at the top. You know, Riley's a lot like Red in that sense. And uh, the roster of that Celtic team did have guys that were a little, they weren't undrafted. You had seven, eight, nine rounds of draft then. But you had, Guys, you know, Jerry Henderson from Virginia Commonwealth. You had Dennis Johnson from Pepperdine. Larry Bird, Indiana State. Robert Parrish, Centenary. Cedric Maxwell, North Carolina A&T or Charlotte or whatever they were. So they were all lower-tier conferences. They weren't the blue chippers. You know, the Lakers had, you know, Kentucky, North Carolina, Arizona, UCLA, you know, Magic, Michigan State. And, like, Larry spent his whole career taking out his vengeance on guys from the Big Ten <laughs> and the Pac-10 because they didn't recruit him. SEC and you know I mean southern Indiana where he grew up they even dump on it in Indiana it's, it's, it's considered you know kind of the trash part of the state if you live in Indiana so he was always like trying to beat the ass of, of people that played at better conferences and kind of the blue chip places and and that that stayed with him the whole time he gave him that hunger so yeah I think uh to that degree I mean the Heat are very admirable seven undrafted players they're tough uh but I mean they got guys Caleb Martin outscoring, you know, uh, outscoring Jason Tatum. I mean, it's like, and one of their guards uh, is, uh, was let go by the Celtics in 2019. He's the starter. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, Max Struess, Max Struess was, cut, so was they, cut by the Celtics. Yeah. He was cut by the Celtics in 19 so they could keep Javante Green, who I think has played 12 <laughs> games in the NBA subsequently. So, yeah, that stuff's very real. And uh, I, I give the Heat all their props. I, I love the Heat, love the Heat culture, and I just think it's, it's marvelous what they're doing. It's it's not TV's greatest goal to have a Denver-Miami NBA Finals, but that's what you're going to get, and uh, they both well deserve it. I mean, this whole playoffs during the – you kept thinking, okay, they struggled a little against Atlanta, the Philadelphia series, but you're thinking, okay, now Boston, they're healthy. Remember, they added Malcolm Brogdon, who was a starter you know, two years ago, and then now he's the sixth man of the year. They are healthy this year. They were hurt last year. And they come in the series, and the games one and two, just all the problems that the Celtics have had all year came to fruition in those two games. And then this third game, and I won't tell you, I was there. I was in row 14 yesterday watching that. I have never seen a favorite team. I mean, when I, my comment is this. When Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas, he tried, at least. It was a huge upset, yeah. but he at least tried. They didn't try. No, that was bad. It was like a no-show. It was very disappointing. And believe me, people are talking about that, and there's a lot of you know, unhappiness with that because what you what you saw is what they feel back in Boston. That's just not acceptable. I mean, it's just not okay, and it feels like they quit. And um, I don't know how that happens in a game of you know you lose two at home and you're the favorites. You come down here and you have a no show in a game like that. Not acceptable. But people notice just like you did. And then in your book, it wish it lasts forever. You covered, of course, the '86 team that went 40 and one at home. 
10 and 0 in the playoffs. Uh, this year they were great at home at 32 and 9, but now the Celtics are 4 and 5 at home in the playoffs in the Boston Garden. It's just impossible to even think about that. I know, I don't understand that at all. 4 and 5 in the playoffs. It's been, you know, the Bruins lost 3 at home uh, as as well there. So the the Boston teams are 2 and 8 in the last 10 games at the Boston Garden. And you know, both teams were expected to win the championship this year. So it's been kind of a non-good luck barn the last uh, month or so. But this team, I don't know what that's about. They And they do. They turtle up in close games. You didn't have a close one yesterday, but the metric we have is games decided by five or fewer points in the last three minutes. They're 0-6 in the playoffs. So that tells you something, too. They're front runners, And, uh, and we know this. It doesn't mean they can't win. it. They still kind of scare me a little bit in that I think they could actually get back into this series, as stupid as that sounds. Because on paper, there's no reason they can't beat the Heat. But if they're just as demoralized and discombobulated and quitting a coach, then it should be over tomorrow night. I mean, you mentioned earlier about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Well, Jason Tatum was the first team at All-NBA. Brown was the second team All-NBA. Um, the performance last night was just embarrassing. And the fact that Gabe Vincent, another you know, undrafted player, outscored both of them combined. The fact that they've you know, shot seven for 40 and three-pointers in the playoffs. They have more turnovers than assists. This is clearly, uh, again, I thought, boy, these two are great. They'll work together. They're, you need to have two superstars. But this series is, I mean, they're questioning whether you keep them together. Yeah, it's a meltdown because you you saw you know, they took them too long to get rid of the the average heat. I mean, the, I mean, excuse me, the Hawks. Hawks are a 500 team. They got beat twice by them, including once at home. That had to go six, and the Sixer thing unnecessarily went seven. And they're all happy they have Game Seven, and Tatum had 51 points, and everybody's thinking, okay, here we go. But they've always owned the Sixer team. Sixer team was, you know, James Harden's going to calcify in mid stride at some point, and you know, Embiid they figured him out quickly and. They just should have done that more quickly than they did. So here they come into this and just a complete, you know, pantsing by Spolcher and, and by that hungry roster and by Jimmy Butler. And then I think one thing about the Atlanta series, like I'm a big fan of Quinn Snyder. I think he's a genius. And the fact yep. that he takes over that team in that first round playoffs, take those two games, and now Spolster against Joe Mazzulla, you're starting to really question. I mean, this whole, I mean, again, in his answers, I mean, after the first game when he said, well, we won three out of four quarters, I mean, that was, <laughs> I wonder, yeah, that's the most ridiculous yeah, you, don't be. <laughs> you know, that comment was so crazy. And I just think it's like, wow, have, have, is this, I mean, they had the problem with Ime Aduko, they let him go. And then they, they go with Joe, and, and Mazzullo is just, it seems now, I've never seen a team just totally fall apart like this with from a coaching perspective in terms of the players and the coach, and he, his in-game decisions, his, his, game, his decisions going into the game are incorrect. And then even that first game when he had Peyton Pritchard on Jimmy Butler one-on-one, it's like, what are you thinking? Like, that would be if the, he had one person to plan him, they'd probably say, Pritchard, you guard Butler. Like, it was crazy. It was, and you know, even if just having Pritchard on the floor, they they'll hunt him down. They find him, they work the switches, and and make that happen. And you're right; he went at him three times in a row, and no one's been able to handle Butler. But yeah, the coach stuff. I mean, you know, not calling the timeout when they had the 46 point third quarter in in game one was just really curious. And you know, he didn't call the timeout, and they never got a shot off in the 19 seconds left in overtime in the game in Philly. The non-timeout thing has, has been all over him, and now the rotations are starting to become questionable. Not double-teaming Jimmy Butler. I mean, they did it twice last night, and he had a turnover and a miss, an air ball, I think. It's like, how hard is that? It's been going on for 100 years in basketball. So he's stubborn about that and doesn't like to do it. And uh, there's some real questions about, you know, why so loyal to Al Horford at the end of games, you know, when Robert Williams has played pretty well. 
And, you know, why Marcus Smart always at the end of games when he tends to turn into a, you know, air ball shooting you know, turnover machine. But it's, uh, it's just bad all around. And I, it's not really his fault. I mean, it was too much to expect him to, to, to coach at this level against these kind of guys, especially with the crew he's got. Because Brad Stevens couldn't get to these guys. Ime kind of did, but he only had one year. And it's just, and it looks like they've tuned out the new kid. Well, I mean, you mentioned about Robert Williams. I mean, the size advantage, and I just keep waiting because I'm there at the yeah. game. Bam, people don't realize Bam Adebayo, he was on on set with Charles Barkley. Like, Charles is bigger than Bam Adebayo is. Like, he's not big. Like, they have Cody Zeller and then they, uh, uh, you know, as another center, yeah. and Kevin Love. The, the fact that the Celtics were not, I mean, the Bucks weren't able to advance, you know, take advantage right. of their total size with Lopez and Honest. And now with the Celtics, I'm like, there's no way. Just get Bam in foul trouble, and then Cody can play 10, 15 minutes. Who is going to, Callum Martin's going to be your tallest player on the on the court. Absolutely true. It's it's amazed me how small they are and how much they get done, and the fact that you've not been able to exploit that. It's crazy. The um, do you so do you would you expect like would you expect him to start uh, Robert Williams? Is the Derek White this whole debate who's going to start for this next game? Is that going to be even? Is it going to even matter? I mean, I guess the point is, do you even have strategy? Is he going to be able to to get to these players and to, to the like? I was watching Tatum and Brown on the bench; they weren't even talking to each other. One no. was on one side, one's on the other. There, there, just there's no fire. And Marcus Smart, the one thing about him is he's not even fired up anymore. Like it's just it's just weird. They were all he was sort of mellow. The only time they're fired up is when they're bitching the officials, which they do the whole game to turn the officials against them. It's embarrassing, and it's really unseemly, and it, it doesn't help. And you're down 30. Shut up. Just try to have some dignity in this thing. And then the one thing about Grant Williams, I mean, everybody was talking about, oh, you poked the bear. Well, at least he was out there trying hard. I mean, I'm sitting next to Celtic. You know, the Heat fans, everyone was waiting for the Heat fans to boo Grant Williams. I think they appreciated They're like, wow, he, Grant Williams is playing like a Heat player. He's actually there trying on, like, we can't boo him. He's, he actually cares. I, I swear, all the Heat fans around me were like, I don't want to boo him because he actually seems to be like he wants to be out there, whereas nobody else wanted to be out there. Yeah, he's pushing back a little bit. He's definitely got that in him, unlike most of what we're seeing from their stars. So do you, I guess we're talking to Dan Shaughnessy, the book of Wish It Would Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. <laughs> Again, it's a great book if you're a Celtic fan. And most of my Celtic fans turn the, the set off, sets off by halftime, and I don't know if they're going to watch Game <laughs> 4. So don't watch Game 4. Go out to Amazon or order it from Amazon. Go to Barnes & Noble and buy this book. But... I guess the question would be, is this what we look right now? Are they going to switch coaches? Do you think they're going to switch play? What is going to happen to this team? Well, I think if, if they get swept, I think they kind of have to fire Missoula. Or, or find another place for him. Make him an assistant coach again or something. I don't know. He's going to have a career in the league. This was just too soon and wasn't ready. And, and he's 34 years old. He's a good basketball man, and this isn't his fault. But uh, it's asking too much. So, yeah, I think you have to have a, a different coach. You know, they can go get Nick Nurse or somebody. I mean, and then they got to figure out the roster, though. I mean, the Brown Tatum thing, this is the sixth year together, seventh year for Brown. It's their time. I mean, Larry Bird won a third title in the seventh year. It's, it's their time. This is supposed to be it. They're both top 10, all NBA. And, um, you know, he went out, as you pointed out, he went out and got Brogdon. Williams is a year older, healthier. This was, this was the time. And the whole thing was paved. You know, the Bucks getting taken out and Warriors getting taken out and it's just all the problems that were in, in front of them. Uh, this was there for the taking and they've just uh, just uh, you know, fizzled it away.
And Denver's not even a deep team. I mean, I like Denver a lot, and they play hard, very much like the the Heat, but they only go six guys, seven guys, maybe with Jeff Green. So they're not even a deep team. And Celtics had all these advantages, and, and just, it, right, it totally was paid for there and weren't able to. But, Dan, I know you're super busy, but thanks so much for coming on Iron Sports and talking about the Celtics. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Take care of yourself.